Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis. I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer extraordinaire, and Carhartt customer, Cameron McCoy. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a, a big moment for us, right? I mean, I know it's just a number, but also I'm going to do a super cut for the next 30 minutes of you just saying, welcome to the Spike Feed, 500 times over. You know, I, I'm sure we had some really, really, really good stuff um, that we could have spliced into this, you know, back when we were a good show, like 400 <laughs> episodes ago. Um, but, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I uh, I can't believe we've made it this far, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, full disclosure, before we start recording, we talked about, like, how we're going to take a kind of a break because both of you and I have big work projects that have just been owning our life. And then we're kind of going to, we're going to do a normal show and then we're going to kind of sort out what we want to do together after 500. And it might be more Magic the Gathering. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are going to take some time to like stew on it, but it'll still be in this feed. It'll still be discussed, you know. Um, but I'm excited, man. Yeah. Yeah. New opportunities. I, I feel like we're uh, reinventing ourselves like some classic movie where two ladies go to Europe together. Um, I've always seen us more of a, uh, Larry and cousin Balky situation. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know who, which of us is who, but I really feel like that's a thing. That's yeah. Yeah. But in reality, we're probably more like Niles and Frazier. We're like married <laughs> versions of those characters. It's true. <laughs> I um, kind of love that. <laughs> <laughs> If you were actually around us, I think it would hit a little. We were like the nerdy instead of snobby. We're like the nerdy version of Frasier, yeah. right? Um, I feel like there's a TV pitch in here, Cameron. Oh, to be somewhere, honest. yeah, for sure. Um, but hey, we're going to talk about magic today for the 500th time, which is crazy. And I want to know what you've been up to. We're going to talk about the band uh, and restricted announcement, mm-hmm. and then the litany of other announcements that came out of. Uh, the most recent Magic Con. So tell me what you've been up to, buddy. Yeah, so this week is just more uh, Explorer. And I've been playing a lot more Blue-White Control, um, which is normally just like the Wandering Emperor, Narset, Teferi, Shark Typhoon, and then just a bunch of control spells um, and whatnot. And I've been having decent success and and whatnot. I feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions with this deck um, just because it's very comfortable for me and... I know my play patterns and all of that. There's nothing new. And this is about as close to the Pioneer deck as you can possibly get. Um, So I've been trying to just dabble in some other things that you can do with this deck. And I did see on MTG Goldfish one of the decks that's kind of popping up or having moderate success here and there is a combo version using Nine Lives and Solemnity can never pronounce that <laughs> word. Um, so nine lives is the one that you essentially don't get any damage and instead you get counters. And Solemnity is the card that allows you to not put counters on enchantments, artifacts, or lands. So anyway, you are playing the slow game with this. The combo is kind of a, a cute word, right? Uh, what you're really doing is just waiting to f- eventually get to approach the second sun, 
or set, yeah, approach the second sun twice, you know, to counter that or to play that and then to win the game all right. So, I mean, this is just a long, slow playing type of deck. You can win with Wandering Emperor, you could win with Teferi, all the other like classic blue white control sorts of things. Um, but what I love about this is just like using two enchantments, one which has hexproof that your opponents just maybe don't see coming and uh, win some games. And I was winning quite a few games with um, people just, I think, auto-scooping. Like, there's no way for me to actually win. I haven't actually won the game, but, you know, I, I will win the game or draw out of cards, one of the two. Yeah, I guess that's that's also the classic Teferi can tuck itself infinitely if and you can run your opponent out of cards, right? So. Yeah. Um, in flesh and blood, they call that strategy fatiguing. Okay. Fatigue your opponent, right? I've really struggled with getting, it's weird because like I would have thought by now I'd be sick of this standard. Yeah. I mean, and I kind of am, but Mm -hmm. I have not found myself drawn into explorer at all. I feel like we're getting so close. I guess this is a discussion to be had soon, but we're getting so close to pioneer that it just feels like, you know, Diet Dr. Thunder or something. It's just <laughs> so close, yeah, but not quite there. It's like, why Why can't I just be playing Pioneer? Um, and in the wake of the Pro Tour, I have not even really been interested in Modern either. It's been Standard, which has been, a, I would say, a strange comfort to me in these, uh, these times. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like we're bearing the lead. And I, I mean, I've just been, like I said, just messing around with, standard in playing like especially Esper control um i do want to talk about this banned and restricted list because i gotta be honest with you cameron i did not see either of these things coming i don't know how well i shouldn't say i i don't know how i feel so have you seen this announcement i have and uh i i think my my thoughts initially were when marketing outweighs good gameplay where I feel like there's elephants in the room that they really need to address but because we're still in the Lord of the Rings cycle that's not going away anytime soon we're going to not ban certain cards that are truly oh maybe a little too overpowered and instead we're going to put in a storm card because that will solve everything (laughs) yeah so I guess what you're referencing is, of yeah. course, Mind's Desire. Mind's Desire. But preordained, it's not like that ain't a storm card either. Sure. Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> right? um, but like, I guess the thing that's interesting about Mind's Desire is that gives you a really fascinating in-game in Legacy Storm and Vintage Storm. Well, Vintage was still legal, but Legacy Storm that doesn't involve Past in Flames. Yeah. So legitimately you can easily storm off um without you know a graveyard which is, is something that like the previous iteration of storm especially ant um really relied on that being said i don't know that we've seen a lot of results out of storm so juicing that is is you know reasonable it's just so many of these other decks as they currently set are really good against Storm. So uh, I guess to me, you know, I'll always love Mind's Desire. 
I do think it's a little bit playing with fire. Remember when it came out in historic and we were like, mm-hmm. it turned out tainted pack was actually the much bigger deal. And there, are, there are games where mind's desire can definitely clog your hand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you might end up only playing one sure. and then, you know, tutoring it with infernal tutor or whatever. Um, and I will say the mind's desire doesn't play great. Like it plays great digitally, but you have to shuffle and then reveal a card and then shuffle. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a mess in that way. Um, so it's an unwieldy card, and it's a it's a scary card. But maybe Storm needs it. Also, maybe there's not enough legacy players for it to matter anymore. I was gonna, yeah. Like maybe just give everybody all their toys. At this point, I mean, like let's do it. Let's put the Moxon back in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and they will happily sell that to you in Modern Horizons 3, can't Yeah. Um, Non-tournament legal versions, please. Wink. Um, preordain, though. Yeah. Preordain is... I, I think Preordain is maybe the most underrated card in Magic's history. Um, we are talking about a card that put up, I mean silly results in standard yes it was in Coblade, but it was the primary engine it was also the primary engine for the standard delver deck right so like we're talking about two very high-end standard decks that dominated their time frame um it is an instant upgrade over opt serum visions is trash like throw it in the, the trash <laughs> fair fair point um these are going right into Storm, so that's good news. It makes Storm a lot better. But I think the more interesting thing is, A, to your point, really not addressing Rogvon, the One Ring. I don't think Orcish Bowmasters deserves to be banned, mm-hmm. but it is certainly a very powerful card. But how anyone could be looking at these results and, and saying, the One Ring is not the problem at this stage, mm-hmm. but what we should do is unban this really powerful blue card really has me concerned with where they're at and what they're planning to do. And like pairing this with Raghavan is scary. Like basically you're making a, you know, quasi Delver deck without Delver that is immensely like, it's always going to have a really good one drop, Mm -hmm. right? Plus storm plus every blue deck. I just think this is scarier than people might think. Um, it's right. Do you remember when Brainstorm came to Historic and people were like, "It's not <laughs> yeah, even everybody that like yeah dismissed it, right?" Yeah, and it was like, "Have you have you played with Brainstorm?" <laughs> That's how this feels. Where, where are you at on it, man? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm the same. This is to my point earlier. Like, I feel like Ragavan is like just a major issue, but. There's more money involved in that, yada, yada, yada. Like, we've heard it a hundred different times. Um, so why don't we just, ra- like, make everybody happy by putting Preordain in there? Um, but I also do think, like, a one-mana draw spell like this is not nothing. It's going to be hugely impactful. Um, I'm I'm curious to see it, honestly, in modern now, in the context of, like, where modern is at now compared to modern from um, the Splinter Twin era, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it is maybe 
better situated in certain things. And you might get some tools where Blue Red Phoenix is a deck that might be worth playing again. I don't know. Um, especially since um, looting is now gone. Like, I feel like maybe this might be an interesting thing, but I think it also does something parallel to what Faithless Looting does. Yeah, I that's a, that's a really great call out. I think, except for the the Rhinos deck, I think you're always playing this if you're playing blue. I think control it's a lock, whether mm -hmm. that's blue black, which has kind of gotten more popular than blue white lately. Um, the creativity deck, Merktide, Living End, right? Those are those are snaps. Probably the Omnath deck, like yeah. you can find stuff so well. I would assume you play this in Amulet Titan as well, but I don't know that for a fact. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I, I see this and I see what they're trying to do, but I'm doing the, man, I don't know if this is a good idea. All right, so let's not make this all negative. There's some good and bad here. Okay. I don't know that we need to hash out what I feel about there being an Assassin's Creed set or a fallout set or whatever and i'm willing to bet i'm the biggest assassin's creed fan on this call right now <laughs> it's true um and you're probably the biggest fallout fan on this call and there's nothing wrong with those things <laughs> um i don't know it just feels a long way from homelands but that's me um however good news cons is getting a remastered set so that is going to be towards the end of this year. And uh, I don't know, like, did you, were you, you were around for cons block, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked for it. Um, we also, in 2024, there's going to be a Ravnica remastered, right? That's also when we get modern horizons three. So we're going back to that. Well, so I, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the record of being a big fan of these remastered sets. That's kind of like one of the things I love most about going to Arena. There are moments where I've liked it. I wish it would have been just the actual draft set. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes I think the remixes are maybe a little less successful. What are some sets that you would like to see back on Arena, dude? Oh, man. Um, everything from the last 10 years. I mean, like, I would just love that, right? Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, cons... Give me my Mantis Rider, man. Like, I'm I'm super happy to see that card in there. Um, this is this is a good thing. I, I I'm just I'm totally down for everything we're gonna see here. We might be able to get like the Dragon's deck. You know, I mean, there's like so many like opportunities for some of these exciting things where they did like flashback drafts or whatever. Totally down for that. Um. Yeah, otherwise, uh, I, I'm trying to think of, like, what I want most out of, if I, if out of anything from the last decade, I mean, cons is up there as far as, like, one of the things that I would love to be playing, um, and then, yeah, just give me my JVP, I need that as well. Um, everything from that set, that, whatever, I can't remember what that was called, that was just the JVP set, but I would love to just see that magic 20 right magic 20 was that it no was that really it that sounds or, right yeah whatever it was i want it whatever it was it was good yeah. um 
so this this is the thing that probably frustrated me the most. Tournament Pioneer on Arena by the end of 2024. So you might say to yourself, hey, Curtis, I think you're making a mistake. I think you mean to say by the end of 2023. Feels like we should be there. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Uh, a year and a half away. Um, what do they have to do? <laughs> well, they got alchemy cards to make, Cameron. They don't uh, have time to do this thing that they said they were going to do and everyone else wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that To me, again, I, I feel like we're kind of a broken record on this front, but it's just like, I, I'm sure we can pull it up multiple times. They said they would have it. We were supposed to have it by the end of this year. Cards keep getting released that have nothing to do with Explorer and Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And no one seems to like find a find an alchemy article, find an alchemy strategy article. I dare you, man. Like it's they just don't exist, yeah. right? I mean, they're on such a slow trajectory. They could have two brand new sets or like formats come out in this time, and probably have a whole ban list surrounding them before they get done with uh, Explorer here or Pioneer. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, and I would also say like we're we're getting to that point where. Now the sets, all the sets are fully coming out on Arena. So Modern Horizons 3 will come out on Arena. Uh, Final Fantasy, uh, their universes beyond set will come out on Arena. I know that's going to be confusing because there is that Final Fantasy does also have its own card game. But now it has a magic set too, right? They've also said that they have have improved duplicate protection. I've never really stressed that, um, maybe as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what's going on with Arena. So... That being said, some good here, some, I would say, very meh things with regards to where we're headed with Arena. Um, I do feel like Arena is is the Foo Fighters analogy. You know, we had a really good start. <laughs> now we're kind of content with some mediocrity, and that's a little disappointing, yeah, right? Yeah, um, Ooh, That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Cameron, do you have anything to add before we move on to what else we've been up to? No, it's... It's whatever. They keep on putting cards out. So I guess I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just think we could have, uh, you could have a um, deck that is entirely video game characters now. Street Fighter, Fallout, Assassin's Living Creed. Living the dream, man. That's so, yeah. so great. <clears throat> Final Fantasy. Did I say that one? Sure. Man. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we're up to. All right, Cameron, it says here Disney's Illusion Island. Is this the game? This is the game. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were taking care of my niece this weekend, and um, being the good uncle that I was, I did not buy The Legend of Zelda, clearly one of the best games of the year, but instead Mm -hmm. uh, got Disney's Illusion Island for the Switch. And um, this is... It's a platforming kind of Metroidvania guacamelee sort of go back and forth platforming and whatnot um, using Disney characters, Mario, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy uh, with a really fun, interesting art style. Um, What makes this, I think, a really charming game is that it's multiplayer. So my wife, myself, and the niece were able to choose our characters and play um, 
this great multi-platformer game that kind of had elements of like the Mario game where you could play as, you know, Toad and Luigi and, and Mario. Um, but with like nice floaty jump mechanics, um, just challenging enough that you can carry the team and the people that are with you, it, like there's no like ill will the way maybe like you can with Mario where you can pop a bubble and somebody would die instantly. Um, you collect the coins all together or the bubbles all together. Um, and it's great. I, I was just like really smitten with just how, um, well executed this game was. Um, the platforming was solid. Um, I felt like it was a decent challenge and it's the perfect sort of game. I think if you have a kid, two siblings, like a older and a younger one, put them in this game together. One can kind of lead it and, and I think have a really challenging, rewarding experience um, with just clean polish of a Disney game. So um, totally enjoyed this. I, it, it's not, um, you know, Super Meat Boy, but it's, it's definitely just a, a great multiplayer type platformer. Do you wish you had it in the McCoy household when you were younger? Oh, dude, this, if I was, this would have been, this would have been it. Yeah. Cool. I've actually heard that they're like, it's pretty interesting because it's got no combat, but it also means that you really want to play with multiple people. Yeah. When you're playing solo, it kind of becomes a little bland. If I was playing this by myself, it would be the boringest thing ever. Um, But playing it even just with my wife last night, it was enjoyable, fun. Cool. Uh, So I, I have a couple of sports documentaries to talk about here um, or docu series, I guess. So the, the first one is Muscles and Mayhem, which is the Netflix, I think it's five episodes about the history of the TV show, American Gladiators, of which I am, like, I, th- I feel like if you grew up in middle America in the 90s, you watched a lot of American Gladiators. That was just, you know. Must see TV. Must see TV. And Cameron, I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm glad you're sitting down. Turns out, some of those gladiators were doing steroids. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Shock. Um, and I would say that series is the classic case of really interesting open opening episode or two. And then we are just stretching, uh, uh-huh. you know, and, and really the content of the show could be within one really good hour and a half documentary. Um, there's a lot of, kind of fun at the beginning when they kind of have no idea what they're doing there's like no safety protocols and people are getting hurt and the the american gladiators in my memory was one that was many seasons down the line from this right so like the the initial kind of version of it is kind of unrecognizable but like all the things that you think of like the dudes running up the treadmill that's like uh you know uphill and all that that's like a later version I didn't realize they used to joust on a bridge that could collapse on them. <laughs> Not on top of them, but collapse yeah, on them. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's a good docuseries. Um, but again, I feel like once you get to episode four, you're like, Man, I don't know that there's much more to say here. The much superior doc or documentary is called Underrated. Um, it's on Apple TV, and it's about Steph Curry, um, who... Cameron, do you know who Steph Curry is? I, I have heard of Steph Curry. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, and I'm going to put it to you like this. Like, I am not an NBA fan or follower at all. 
I tend to tune into the finals every year for about a game or two, and that's about it. Um, So I have an awareness of who Steph Curry is and kind of what he's about, but this follows him as he's, so it kind of does a parallel thing where it shows his like high school, college experience, and then parallels it with him being much later in his career, kind of past his prime and, you know, kind of going through both things at the same time. Hmm. And there's some really great cross cutting that happens between, you know, the, you know, 30 something year old, and then you see the 15 year old and they kind of cut between these moments of him on the court doing very similar things. And you see that that's like, it's still there. He's still that person. And, you know, he was a high school player in the early aughts. And so that was just kind of the initial onset of digital video, right? So there actually tends to be a lot of digital video of him um, that is like 480p, right? And so it really creates this great, like you are aware that it's the past, but it's still Mm -hmm. clear enough that you can kind of tell what's going on, right? Um, Whereas like some of the sports footage, whenever they go, quote, to the past, it looks like you're looking at it through like, you know, like a screen door or something. It's terrible, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, It just doesn't, there's, you lose the warmth in the digital video and it just doesn't come across at all. So anyway, I I thought that movie was really a positive sports documentary. Of course, any Sounds sports interesting. Doc- yeah, yeah, any sports documentary just makes the subject look probably like amazing. So you always have to kind of it's a commercial for that human being. Mm-hmm. But he seems like a good enough dude, I guess. So, so how many episodes with the muscles and mayhem did they dedicate to my boy Nit- Nitro? Uh, Nitro is the primary star. That's right. The whole thing. So it's Nitro and Laser. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Ice, I believe, is the main, right? Yep. But I think I think Nitro is everyone's, like, when you think of, if you picture an American, male oh. American in your head, you're picturing Nitro or Laser. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, quintessential is how I would term them in the Gladiator pantheon. But... <laughs> I don't know, they do allude to, to this in the docuseries. I know I'm going back to the American Gladiators thing is like how often when you would watch it and they would get an actual, because these guys are just bodybuilders basically. And there's, you know, that's a separate skill set. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're a good athlete. And they would get actual like football players <laughs> and just get destroyed <laughs> because, you know, those guys, their whole workout is focused on agility, not necessarily like looking great on a, you know, bodybuilding stage. Right. Yeah. Um, and how often those guys got injured and stuff. It's really interesting. So anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about your bodybuilding routine, where could they find you? <laughs> it's on Twitter, X, uh, at Cameron underscore McCoy. I forgot about that until I clicked the icon. I'm like, what am I looking for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>